Good morning, Emmanuel. Grace to you and peace from Heavenly Father and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is so good to be here at Emmanuel. I walked in and I'm just uh, overwhelmed by this sanctuary. This is an amazing sanctuary. As I travel around the country, I don't get to be in churches like this very often. There's a lot of modern buildings and industrial complexes and this sanctuary reminds me a lot of Trinity Lutheran Church in Rapid City, South Dakota, where I was fortunate to pastor for 18 years. Uh, we had a, a great pastoral team there. You've got a great pastoral team here with Kurt and Andrew and now Allison as a, a pastoral intern. Uh, you have Emily, and we had Martha Bouchelle. So, yeah. I mean, em Emily, you remind me so much of Martha, not only in your giftedness, but your heart, as I met you earlier today, and, and meeting your husband, Chuck, he's a character, isn't he? <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can tell, that, and he's not disagreeing at all. Uh, and, and, and you have Kelly Dahl, we had Judy Foss, who directed our choir. Um, we, uh, we often had our kids singing with the sanctuary choir in our church at Trinity. You have the same exact robes, I kid you not, <laughs> that, that, that the choir at Trinity had. And, and then Florence, where are you, Florence? 97. Florence, we had Hazel Taft. <laughs> you, you're turning 97. Happy birthday. Hazel, one year, turned 100 years old. And I asked Hazel at her birthday party, Hazel, what's the best thing about turning 100 years old? She thought about it for a minute. No peer pressure. <laughs> so many things about Emmanuel remind me of, of Trinity, and it's just a joy to be here with you this morning. I want to bring you greetings from my wife, Debbie. She's down in Phoenix, Arizona, where we live. She's praying for us this morning, and Debbie loves to pray. The picture of her praying on your right is when we were in Havana, Cuba, a couple of years ago, and she was just praying over the city. So she sends her greetings to you. As we read the scriptures this morning, we have this text from Romans 8, uh, which was read. This is a special text for me for uh, a number of reasons. One of the reasons is it was one of the scripture texts that was read and presented at the funeral for our oldest son, Andrew, who died back in 1997 uh, when he was 18 years old. And at that funeral, there were over 1,500 people in Rapid City, South Dakota, who came out for his funeral. Almost 100 teenagers and adults surrendered their lives to Jesus that day in the wake of reading the scripture, it was a great message that there is no condemnation for those who are followers of Jesus. And almost 100 people decided that day they wanted to become followers of Jesus. And then also this morning, we had this wonderful scripture uh, passage, this gospel text in John chapter 4, the story of the woman at the well and her encounter with Jesus. And one author has written this of, of that encounter. For the first time, for the first time, 
this woman had encountered a man who was safe, a man in whom she sensed no judgment, no condemnation, and it absolutely transformed her life. But, but not only her life, right? It, it transformed the life of an entire village. We know this because in John chapter 4, verse 39, we heard it read this morning, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. The woman at the well needed a man who was a safe place. But she's not the only one we read of in scripture. Nicodemus needed a safe place. He had questions he wanted to ask. And he needed somebody he could ask them of. Timothy needed a safe place because he had some doubt he was struggling with. And he needed somebody who was safe that he could voice those doubts. And at one time or another, all of you and I share some uh, one or more of the characteristics of such Bible characters. For instance, every one of us struggles with temptation and sin. Uh, I, I know this for a fact because I'm staying with my dear friends, Chris and Kelly Dahl, and Kelly does not struggle with temptation and sin, but Chris does. <laughs> we, we all have questions we want to ask, but sometimes we're afraid we, we might be judged or condemned lectured or shamed for asking them. In the wake of our oldest son's death, you, you have to know my wife Debbie and I had questions. What happened? Where was God? And we needed people we could ask those questions of who wouldn't lecture us, who wouldn't shame us for asking those kinds of questions. And we all struggle at some point in our lives, we all struggle with disappointment or doubt in our relationship with God. And we need a safe place where we can give voice to that disappointment or doubt. We all need someone who's safe, someone who's praying for us, someone who is for us and is against anything that would harm us. We all, in short, need Jesus. The woman at the well, Nicodemus and Thomas needed a safe place. We all do. Christians and non-Christians alike. Imagine, if you would, for a moment with me, imagine a place where you can be your true self, where you, where you can come to church and you don't have to put on some kind of mask, you, you don't have to pretend. You can just be yourself and still be loved and accepted. Imagine relationships that could be described by this poem. Oh, the comfort the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but to pour them all out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what's worth keeping, and then with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Or what would it be like to discover a place where you can be with other people who not only welcome the real questions and doubts you struggle with, but will take the time to engage you in authentic dialogue. Authentic dialogue about those questions and doubts. And they again, they don't lecture you. They don't shame you for having them in the first place. Or imagine a community of faith like Emmanuel. 
a place where the truth of God's word is not watered down, but the grace of God influences when, where, and how to share that truth. When grace and truth, no surprise, right? Because John 1.14 tells us Jesus is full of grace and truth. When grace and truth are brought together, they're God's healing combination. And they can bring healing to emotional relational and spiritual wounds from our past that might be influencing our present in ways that are unhelpful. Or just think of what it would be like to live and minister with others, making it a safe place to learn and grow through our failures rather than being defined by them. All of this and more is what can be found in a person, in a small group, or in a congregation that might be described as being a safe place. So, what does a safe place look like? Well, as always, the answer is Jesus. Safe place is simply a metaphor designed to help us be intentional about being transformed and, 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 and empowered to think, speak, and act more like Jesus. Every now and then I'll ask my wife Debbie. Debbie's a PK. Her dad was a Lutheran pastor. He was my first mentor years and years ago before we even used the word mentor. And so she grew up in a pastor's home. And every now and then, I'll ask Debbie, Honey, if God left it up to you, is there some way I could be more transformed, I could be changed to think, speak, and act more like Jesus so I could be more of a safe place for you? I asked her this before I was coming up here because I knew I was going to be preaching on this. And I thought, being a pastor's kid, she was going to, she was going to respond and say, Well, that's a good question, honey. Let me pray about it. She didn't need to pray about it at all. As soon as I asked the question, she had an idea. She said, here's how you could become more of a safe place for me. And when she shared it, I couldn't argue with her at all. And so I began to pray, Lord, in this area of my life, would you please transform me? Would you please empower me so that I can think, speak, and act more like Jesus for my wife and for others. Now, if we're going to talk about this whole thing of being a safe place, there's a few things we need to make sure to mention. First of all, only Jesus is a safe place for us 100% of the time. This side of heaven, none of us is going to be that 100% of the time. It's an ongoing journey. It's a process. Or for my friends in Canada, when I'm up there, it's a process that we will be uh, undertaking and a journey we'll be on until we meet Jesus. Secondly, related to that is that even though we may set our hearts on being a safe place person for others, we'll fail. So I have this great promise for you here this morning, Emmanuel. If you want to be increasingly defined as an individual, small group, or congregation that's a safe place for others, I promise you, you'll fail. This side of heaven, we'll say things that we don't mean to say, don't want to say. We'll do things we don't want to do, or we won't do things that we want to do. We'll let each other down. But the good news for us as Christians, of course, is even in our failures, God can use those things to transform us and empower us as we go to somebody and, and, and say, Pastor Kurt, please forgive me for the way I spoke to you the other day. Will you, will you forgive me? And Pastor Kurt, being the gracious man that he is, will of course say, yeah, Mike, I, I forgive you. And, and our relationship will be healed and will probably be stronger than it was before. And I'll have an opportunity, even in my failures, 
to think, speak, and act more like Jesus. And, and the third thing we want to say is that a safe place may not always feel safe. If the operative word is feel, it's not always going to feel that way because we're going to speak truth to one another. We're going to speak truth couched in love and couched in grace. But even when truth is shared in the most grace-filled, most loving way, it still stings. It can still hurt at times. I remember after becoming a, a young Christian, I'm a Vietnam-era veteran. I had just returned from Southeast Asia. I was in Altus, Oklahoma at an Air Force base there. I had a, I had a roommate. Uh, Chris Dahl has heard this story more than once. I think Andrew has too. Uh, a hillbilly from West Virginia named Billy Bob Fred Joe Choctaw Pitzer. Kid you not, on his, on his birth certificate, on his driver's license, Billy Bob Fred Joe Choctaw Pitzer. We just called him Billy Bob Fred Joe. And Billy Bob Fred Joe had a friend, Stan Kellner. Billy Bob Fred Joe was tall, six foot four and skinny, and Stan was short and squat, and he was a messianic Jew from Boston, Massachusetts. Grew up in a Jewish home, but had accepted Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Well, they were the ones who led me to faith in Christ when I was 21 years old, and like Andrew and like Chris, I played a little bit of a guitar, not as good as either one of them, but they invited me to start playing guitar down at a Christian coffee house in downtown Altus. And so back then, Christian coffee houses, this was the early 1970s, Christian coffee houses were all the rage. So I'd go down and play my guitar. And one day they, they came to our dorm and they knocked on the door. And I opened the door and there's Billy Bob Fred Joe and, and Stan. And I'm wondering, why is my, my roommate knocking on the door of his own room? And they said, hey, Brad, there are a lot of mics in our, our base. So they called me Brad. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fine, guys. They came in, and we talked for a while, and then they got to it. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to talk to you, Brad. It, it seems like when you're playing guitar down at the Christian Coffee House, it's, it's not so much to lead people in worship like the kids did today or to glorify God, we think maybe you're just wanting to meet girls. <laughs> and, and my only thought was, and, and your point is, <laughs> you know? And, and, and they said, we, we think maybe you need to take a break from leading worship for a while, and let, let's help you continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus and grow in your faith. And then we'll revisit uh, down the road you being part of the worship team and I smiled and I thanked them and they left the room and as soon as they left the room I just oh who do they think they are and they had been so loving and so graceful but the truth hurt it stung a little bit now it turned out they were right and Holy Spirit showed me that and they helped me grow in my faith and some months later I was restored to the worship team I still wanted to meet girls but they did put me back on the worship team <laughs> Another thing we want to say is that viewing Jesus, the disciples, or Christians today as a safe place depends upon your definition of the word safe. Webster's Dictionary has five definitions. The last one is dependable and trustworthy. Something or someone who is safe is dependable and trustworthy. And Jesus is always dependable and trustworthy for us. We can always depend upon him and trust in him. And finally, understanding Jesus to be our safe place is to know that he's interceding for us. And that's so helpful because we're living in a world that's at war. 
This world is filled with multiple wills. There's the will of fallen human beings. There's the will of fallen angels. There's the will of our enemy, the devil. And when all of these wills meet the will of God, there's tension and there's conflict, there's frustration, there's discouragement. We live in a world that's at war and it's so good to know that Jesus, our safe place, is praying for us. I've, I've wondered sometimes, well, how, how is Jesus praying for us? I wonder, wonder how he's praying. And I was reading in Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 6, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, during my coffee time with Jesus, Kurt and, and Andrew and Allison, Chris and Kelly have heard this before, but in the mornings I have coffee time with Jesus. That's when I get up and make a good, strong pot of coffee because Jesus loves coffee. I, I hope you know that. In John chapter 2, Jesus did not transform the water into the wine. That Greek word means coffee. <laughs> Just been mistranslated all these years. So I'll, I'll make some, some coffee. I, I do that at the doll's house as I'm staying with them now. And I'll, I'll oftentimes make two cups, one for Jesus and, and one for me. Jesus is really generous. He always shares his cup with me. And I take my Bible and I sit down and, and read God's word and I pray. And one morning in this coffee time for, with Jesus in Colossians 4, I read verses 2 through 6. Listen as I, I read this for you. Paul writes to the Christians at Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer with, a, with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his, his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. As I read that passage, I, I wondered, if, wow, is Jesus really praying this for me? Is he really praying this for us? Is, is he praying that you and I will be people who are devoting ourselves to prayer? Having an alert mind? Having a thankful heart? Is he really praying that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel and to tell other people about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Is he really praying that you and I would live wisely amongst those who don't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord? Is he praying that our conversation would be gracious and attractive when we speak to somebody about anything, but especially about the Lord? All of these things together are just another way to describe what it means to be a safe place. You and I can be a safe place for others in Story City and in the surrounding communities as we live a life that looks attractive to them and share in words that are gracious and attractive. How do we, how do we learn what it means to be a safe place? Well, one way is you can think of somebody in your life who has been a safe place for you. If you're able, think of that person. It might be a parent. It might be a grandparent. It might be a pastor. It might be a friend. Someone like that. It might have been a teacher you had in school. 
and think about that person and think about the qualities that made them that safe place for you. Well, they were forgiving. They were loving. They were always there for me. They believed in me before I even believed in myself. Think of what those qualities might have been and just note them. And sometimes as you note them, you'll come across a quality that you think, you know, I'd like to become more like that. And you can turn to God in prayer and say, God, I want to grow in this way or that way so I can be more like Jesus. Another way we can learn what it means to be a safe place is to simply have this in mind as we're reading through the Bible, as we're having our coffee times with Jesus. By the way, I know not everybody loves coffee. Some of you here today love tea, right? How many here love tea? Let me see here. Okay, you need to know Jesus loves you too. Not as much, but he... he no, that's... See, that's, that's bad theology right there. Bad pastor. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's terrible. How, how, how can you let me get away with that? We, we can sit down, though, with our coffee or our tea or a glass of cold water. And as we're reading through the scriptures, we can watch and we can look at the encounters Jesus has with people, Peter and Paul and Mary and others have with people. And we can note how they react, how they converse with them and see examples of what it might mean to be a safe place. Now, real, real quickly for me, let me just share a couple of working definitions for you with what this might mean. As I just said, being a safe place is learning from the life of Jesus how to most effectively relate to other people so they'll have the opportunity to be impacted by the love and the power of God. And this can be here in the church or it can be out there. Now, I, I grew up, by the way, I was born in Iowa. I was born in Glenwood, just south of Council Bluffs. And I used to spend every summer down on my grandpa's farm. I learned how to drive on an old farm all tractor. I, I learned how to work really hard and... and uh, um, it might be one of you as farmers who are sharing with your, your next-door neighbor. Maybe you're helping each other with your harvest. Maybe you're on your combines. I, Justin, are, Justin, are you here today? Yeah, okay. I hear you got a combine I need to see, by the way. I've been told this. The last time I was on a combine was 1972 in a wheat field in, in Oklahoma. I, I would guess the combines are a little different today than they were back then, just a little bit. But it might be one farmer to another, just talking about life, talking about the weather, talking about faith. And you can be that safe place for somebody as you relate to them like Jesus. Being a safe place is being like Jesus with the people Jesus would have been with. Who would Jesus have been with here in Story City? You, you can ask yourself that question, and sometimes God will put somebody on your heart to go be with. And as you're with them, to just be like Jesus. Or it can be described in this quote from author David Benner. A safe place relationship or community of relationships is the gift of a place where anything can be said without fear of criticism or ridicule. It's a place where masks and pretensions can be set aside. It's a place where it's safe to share deepest secrets, darkest fears, most acute sources of shame, most disturbing questions or anxieties. It's a place of grace, a place where others are accepted as they are for the sake of who they may become. 
We all need at least one friend who could be described in that way. We all need at least one guy or one gal, hopefully more than just one, but even just one can really make a difference in our lives. Somebody who we can share what's really going on in our lives with. And in the midst of that, who will love us, who will accept us, who will believe in us, who will encourage us, and who will say, Let, let's go after it. With God's help, let's go after whatever this thing is that you shared. Now, in closing, let me, just, let me just leave a prayer with you that you can pray. And I promise, if you pray this prayer, and if you pray it with integrity, it's kind of like praying the Lord's Prayer. If we pray it with integrity, something will happen. And here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, do whatever you need to do in me so you can do whatever you want to do through me. Now, I looked up the Greek word for whatever, and it means whatever. <laughs> God, what do you need to do in me? What's the thinking you need to change in me? What are the habits that I practice when nobody else is around that you want to change? What are the beliefs I have about myself or about you that you need, need to change? God, do whatever you need to do in me so you can do whatever you do through me. If you will pray this prayer, God will speak to you. You might be reading his word or you'll hear a great hymn of the church being sung or one of the modern praise courses or you'll have a conversation with somebody and an idea, a thought will stand out to you and then it'll be God speaking to you saying here's the whatever I want to do in your life and as you then partner with him as you experience his work in your lives you can increasingly grow in thinking speaking and acting more like Jesus and increasingly becoming that safe place for others I'm going to speak a little bit more uh, about this after um, the potluck to follow, which, by the way, is one of the great things about being a Lutheran Christian. Potlucks are just great. Um, my only problem with potlucks at Trinity Lutheran in Rapid City, South Dakota, is that Sandy Schlamann always made lime green jello with shredded carrots in the bottom. So please forgive me. If that's there today, I may pass. So. Let me close in prayer, and then we'll go back to song. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a safe place for us. Thank you for your long-suffering, your faithful love for us, even, even when we're being naughty, Jesus. You still believe in us. You're still there for us. And we thank you for your work of transformation. Would you increasingly transform us to think, speak, and act more like Jesus? And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want to bless Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Story City, Iowa. I bless them when an, it, with an increase of your favor upon them as they go out into the community to be the church and to share your gospel, your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen.